Awesome. So if you will, open your Bibles. We're going to get to uh, John 10, 27 to launch uh, today's message. Um, we're talking today about the essential of hearing the voice of God. And so this is one of my absolute most favorite subjects uh, in Scripture. Um, most favorite subjects because it's, one, it's very widely misunderstood, um, but biblically it's so incredibly simple. And, you know, one of the things that, if you know me at all, one of the things you'll find out about me is that um, it has to be biblical. For me, I always lean back into Scripture. I ask a lot of questions when I was in Bible college and got in trouble from time to time with, uh, with denominational leaders because I would ask them questions about why we did some of the things we did. And a lot of times there were no answers. And what I discovered that a lot of what we were doing was, was based on tradition and, and not as much on Scripture. Um, and, but that's not what they said. What they always said was, you know, this is what God says. And, and I would always come back with, this is what you say God says. Those are not the same things, right? And so I know it's a nuance, and we're going to get into this in just a second. But it's really important. So the first question, again, when I started thinking about this, we've done literally um, multiple series on the voice of God, how God speaks to us today and what that looks like. And I, I, I've gone deep. There are sometimes I've done, I've done some of these uh, where a message would have 60 slides. And the reason why is because I want to make sure that you know this is not me giving you just my interpretation of it, but there's a foundation for this in Scripture. Having said that, you'll find, I promise you, someone who, who, who can go the opposite direction and present Scripture to say, you know, the opposite opinion. Um, so here's the thing, both of us can't be right and both of us can't be wrong. So it's, it's helpful for you as a believer to do your own study and to go back and say, hey, are they, are they reading this scripture out of context? Are they, are they presenting this truth? Are there logic jumps in what they're saying? And at the end of the day, bring, bring your, um, your understanding to bear from scripture, not just what people are saying. Um, again, I, I was part of a denomination that had held certain beliefs for a very long time, and I discovered that some of those beliefs were not as biblical as they had said they were. Um, I joke all the time about part of Bible college, coming out of Bible colleges, was, was unlearning some things I learned in Bible college. And that's, it sounds terrible, but that's just the nature of it, and we're going to get into why, that's, why, that, has, uh, why that occurs, um, why some people say God says something, it's not necessarily true. But this is helpful to understand that you can know. That's the thing I want you to hear from me this morning. You can know what God says is true. You can experience. You can walk in what you know is scriptural. And that's something that has happened in my life. I've been very thankful for the journey that God has, has had me on. It's been really, really amazing. Um, it's interesting. The very I think it's the third scripture. Yeah, it is. The third scripture, Genesis 1-3. It says, then God said, let there be light. Isn't it interesting that that out of the gate, the, one of the first things that God does is he talks. Then God said. Another interesting scripture is in Revelation 22:20. 20. This is the second to the last scripture. Um, the last scripture talks about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, which I think is appropriate. But the second to the last scripture says this. He testifies to these things, says, this is Jesus, Surely I am coming quickly. Even so, come Lord Jesus, is how the apostle answers him. But listen to that again. He who testifies to these things says... So the first and the last, almost the first and the last scripture in the Bible is God talking. And so does God speak outside of scripture really is the question. Because everybody, if, if you're a believer, for the most part, you believe that the Bible is the infallible word of God. Some Christians don't. And my, always, my question for them is, well, which part do you choose? If the, if the Bible's not infallible, 
you know, who gets to choose what part is infallible and not. So it's a dangerous road to go down. But God is a communicator. It's literally in his nature to do so. And so you see it again from the first to the last, and you see it throughout Scripture. Um, John 10, 27, I, that tells you we're going we're to jump off with this Scripture. This is a very interesting Scripture that Jesus, Jesus says this, okay? He says, my sheep listen to my voice. Right, so, so think about this for a second. He, wasn't, he did not say, my sheep read their Bible. That's not what he said, right? I love the Bible. I just started my message with, it has to be biblical for me because that's, that's the infallible word of God that's settled forever. And, I, and I, again, I've taught whole series on this stuff. But you have to know and understand that God wants to speak to you personally. Not just in Scripture, not rules and regulations, not just principles to follow, but literally He wants to have a communicating relationship with you. So often I hear people talk about prayer, and prayer to them is they talk and hope God listens. And that's so sad to me that, that when you talk, because I, I had a conversation with somebody at, at, at the, the coffee house the other day, it's a mission, missionary to Myanmar, and uh, he said, hey, man, would you guys pray for me? And I said, yeah, absolutely. I said, you know, I'm going to pray for you right now. And so, wh- but what I do when I pray is I said, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to listen to what the Lord says, because I have this sense that he would like to speak to you through me. Now, we're going to talk about the validity of that and why that's important and why it can also be dangerous at the same time. But how important is that subjective word, if you will? Because, again, the Bible and Scripture is objective. We're going to get in that in just a second. But Jesus said, my sheep listen, so they're hearing my voice. He says, I know them. And that's a biblical perspective that really speaks to intimacy. And that freaks us out sometimes, and I get it, but it's, it is what it is. And then the Bible says, and they follow me. This is what Jesus said. So they know, they listen to, and they respond to his voice. And so part of what I want to do is I want to equip you this morning, at least begin to equip you to hear the voice of God and to respond to him in obedience. Not just hear. I've been in so many services where people, there's a prophetic word or there's a, you know, there's a what we would call a now word, and people just applaud and they're super excited and then walk away from that meeting and absolutely ignore everything God said in that, in that meeting. We start every single one of our leadership meetings, every single one we start our leadership meetings with, what has the Lord said to us? Now, I know the Bible and most of our leaders do too. We're not, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is what is the Lord speaking to us personally right now, whether it's individually, but obviously in a leadership context, is what is he speaking to our church? And we, there's probably 20 or 30 recent words that we, would bring, we bring out and we have conversation over. Why? Because we want to capture what the Lord is saying to us right now in this time, not just what he said 2,000 years ago, right? And so that can be a challenge um, again, if you grew up in a context or in a denominational context or church context where the voice of God was not celebrated or just ignored entirely, maybe nobody said anything bad about the voice of God or the now word of God or does God speak to us outside of Scripture, but maybe, maybe nothing was said. And so maybe you don't know anything about it, but maybe you were told that anybody who speaks now you know, and calls it the word of God is, you know, they're... they're uh, um, What's the word that I'm looking for? Thank you. As a heretic. <laughs> yeah, we always go big, man. We don't, just, we don't just say they're missing it a little. He's a heretic, you know? We actually had a guy, who, a friend of ours who's up in Canada, who was part of a denomination that didn't believe that God still moved in power, except for people started getting healed in their young uh, college and career age group. And it was a big church, a couple hundred people, and just in the college career age group, and 
people started getting healed. Supernatural miracles were occurring in Canada. I know, right? In Canada even. So God even moves in Canada. Um, that's my Canadian friends. So he, he comes away from that, and the leaders call him in front of the, the, the office and say, hey, you've got to stop that. And he said, why would I stop that? People are getting healed, man. Are, are you seeing what's going on? Yeah, but we don't believe that. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there going, how, how dumb can you be and still breathe? I mean, it's like, did you do some investigation and find out if the miracles are actually occurring? Did you do that? Or are you just so stuck in your narrative you can't get out of it, right? Well, it turns out the latter. And so, of course, they, they told him that if you do not recant, they literally said this in the meeting when they brought him before the denominational board in Canada. If you do not recant, we will brand you as a heretic. He said, brand away. He told me that. I said, I'd put that on my business card as a pastor. I was branded a heretic. Ask me how. Ask me why. Ask me. I'd love to have that conversation with somebody. Why? Because, again, they were so stuck in their narrative. They're, they're, it's what, the, what we call cessationism. It's a really long word. It just comes from the word cease. And all it means, it's a simple thing. It's just a Protestant doctrine that says that spiritual gifts, such as speaking in tongues, prophecy, where the God speaks now, healing, anything supernatural, ceased with the apostolic age. And so the, the mindset around it is the supernatural was necessary to found the church, but once the church was founded and once the Bible was written, once the Bible was uh, uh, you know, settled, then we no longer need the supernatural miracles. The only problem with that is the apostles weren't the only ones doing the miracles. right? So when you say, hey, it was just for the apostolic age, we're like, We'll explain this then, right? And, and there isn't an explanation. But I just want to touch on this because, again, some of us came from this background. We were actually discussing this the other night at our small group. There's a passage. This is 1 Corinthians of all places, one of the most supernatural books in the Bible, right, that speaks of the supernatural left and right. This is 1 Corinthians 13, 8 and 10. And, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the love passage, right? And so it's a very specific passage that's put right in the middle of the supernatural on purpose. Because if you're going to get the supernatural wrong, the way you get it wrong is not, not loving. That's how you get the supernatural wrong. When it turns into selfish or selfism or selfies, whatever that looks like, that's when it starts turning bad. That's when it goes south because it begins to move outside of the nature and the character of God. But... Paul was very specific, and God moved upon this man to write this passage, this part of the passage, in the middle of the supernatural. And this is what it says. This is 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 10. Love never fails. But whether, these, whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is, part, is in part will be done away with. So whole denominations, not just one, but multiple, have used this scripture in the most supernatural book of the Bible, one of them, right, to tell you that God doesn't move in the supernatural anymore. The only problem with that is they are literally taking this passage out of context because it, you, people say, well, this is what they'll tell you, is that which is perfect has come means either the Bible or the church, Right? I, thanks. I, that's, that's what I did too when I heard this. I'm like, I, how do you get that from that? Because literally, this is what the Bible talks about. In this whole passage, the context is that which is perfect is love. That's why it's saying love is going to stay. There's going to come, a, think about this, there's going to come a time when there's no need for you to pray for healing because everybody's healed in heaven, right? You're standing before the Lord. Perfect is as perfect does, right? <laughs> it doesn't get any better than this. 
So you're standing before the one who, who emanates everything that is life. You're not going to need healing. You're not going to need tongues. You're not going to need prophecy. You're not going to, because you'll know, the Bible says, as you're known. There's going to be no need for you to hear from someone else or hear, you know, dimly the voice of God because he's literally standing right in front of you. Not necessary. So this is the voice of God. And so this passage is literally talking about love. Love is that which is perfect. And Jesus displayed this perfectly on the cross. We get all this. That which is perfect, it's love. It's not going to cease even though the, the gifts will cease. When do the gifts cease? When are the gifts no longer necessary? And again, you can argue about whether that was for the apostolic age or whether it's for the age today. But if you use this scripture to tell me that God doesn't do the supernatural anymore, you're just terrible at Bible context. There's just no other way to say it. And, they, and most people who read this pride themselves on Scripture. Matter of fact, I, I, I joke with them all the time. I said, do you believe in the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible? <laughs> right? And they literally deify the Bible, which is a really, really dangerous thing to do. Listen, I just told you before, I, I set it up on purpose how biblical it needs to be. I need it to be biblical. I'm a big fan of the Bible, Okay? It needs to be biblical. When people take Scripture out of context, even prophetic people, even you know, charismatic people, especially those guys, right? Because I've been a part of that, and I know how wrong it can go. So I'm a big stickler on being biblical. But you have to really do some linguistic and uh, gymnastics to get past the fact that God is still doing signs and wonders and miracles today. If you'd like to hear some anecdotal evidence, I could sit down with you over coffee, maybe lunch, and also dinner and tell you about a million things that have happened to me that are supernatural. Now, you can argue with, you, with me all day long, except for it happened to me. And I know lots of people can have the same conversation. Most of the people in our church can have that same conversation with you. So the challenge then is, okay... Does God still speak today? But if you came from this myth of, of where people have said that God no longer does this today, then you, it creates a space where God can only speak to you now through Scripture. Now listen, I'm, God will not stop speaking to you because you don't believe He's speaking anymore. Remember, Jesus said, my, my sheep are going, not they can or should, they do hear my voice. You're going to hear the voice of Jesus, but like we talk about, we talk about the gifts and the power and the ministry and the, the voice of God and the ways that we understand it in Scripture. Those are like faucets where grace, the grace of God can flow into our lives. And all that happens is, as a cessationist, you just simply turn off a bunch of those faucets. So that just forces God to only be able to speak to you through one faucet. And that's just a really bad idea, Right? So you still need, and we're going to talk about the Bible, because again, the Bible is the most important, it's the most important aspect of hearing the voice of God, because without it, you're, you're in subjective danger. And I want to talk about what that means. But let me just say this. The chapter before this scripture and after, this is how it works. 1 Corinthians 12, 2, this is the, this is the chapter right before. This is uh, verse 2. He says, you know that when you were pagans, he, Paul's talking to believers. He said, when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. I remember I read that in the King James Version the first time, and it said you were led astray by dumb idols. And I guess got this picture of, you know, some kids I went to elementary school that just, you know, one guy was 16 and still in the sixth grade. He was literally driving to school in the sixth grade, so I'm just saying they, they should have passed him or should have talked. The guy was, he was not the sharpest tool in the shed. Can I say that? Is that rude? Does that mean? Some of you guys are like, hey, that was me and I take a fist. I'm sorry if that was you. I should probably move on. So anyway, the, the scripture speaks to this and says, okay, the Bible says mute idols. So I thought it was dumb. I thought it just meant 
unintelligent. It's not what it meant. It literally means the idols can't talk. Listen, this is God's word edition. This is a different translation. It says, you know that when you were unbelievers, every time you were led to worship false gods, you were worshiping gods who couldn't even speak. This is what Paul was saying to the Greeks. He was saying, you guys have been worshiping idols, and, and the way, one way you know that they're idols is they can't talk. They're mute. There's no voice in them, which is the implication is God does talk. And then he goes on, and the whole rest of that ch- chapter, there's several places, several gifts where God speaks, the, uh, speaking in tongues, or sorry, tongues and interpretation, prophecy, uh, words of wisdom, words of knowledge. These are all ways God speaks outside of Scripture, but never in contradiction to it. And that's very, 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 very important. And then the next chapter, 1 Corinthians 14, the the chapter after the passage I read earlier, he says, pursue love. So he just spends this entire chapter saying, love is, if you don't have love, these gifts are going to be dangerous. And And he makes the point throughout 1 Corinthians about that. And then he says, pursue love. I'm telling you, this is the right way to do it. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Where have you heard that preached last? Yeah, thank you. I, hopefully, I've said it a few times. <laughs> but, but here's the whole idea. Why do we say that? Pursue spiritual gifts. Because the gifts exist here. When you get to heaven, there's no need for gifts any longer. These are tools for you and I right here, right now, and they are powerful. That's what the Bible says. That, that talks about the manifestation gifts are like dynamite. It uses the literal word that is used for dynamite. They are explosive. One of the things that's so powerful about those kind of words is oftentimes it's like you're, you're, you're in life as a believer and you're believing the Lord, you're trusting Him, you, you're settled in your, your heart and your passion, but there's some kind of impasse and you need, like we were talking about in the prayer time, you need a breakthrough. So what happens is these gifts are like dynamite thrown into a dam where the river has been stopped up and they explode and they break things open and they allow the flow, right? And so if you spend all of your time with dynamite, you're probably going to blow yourself up, right? So, so you can't just be so fascinated with the gifts that you don't understand that the gifts are a tool. The Word of God is forever, Right? What God has spoken of in Scripture, it's, it's the foundation for the gifts to work on. If you use the analogy of the river, it's the river, right? And the dynamite gift, the manifestation gifts, are to break away momentary hindrances that can get in the way. And they're so powerful. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a moment where I couldn't find breakthrough, where the enemy was attacking in a million different ways, and someone gave me a word. They said, man, I was praying for you, and I felt like the Lord said this. And they share that to me, and something about that breaks open the river, and the river starts flowing again. It's so powerful. And I, like I said, I can give you instances. I'm going to give you some examples in just a minute. But God speaks, like I said, through the word, um, I'm sorry, through gifts, through words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. He, he does it through Scripture. He speaks to you through Scripture. And I'm going to get into this in just a second, but let me just say this about Scripture. Just because God speaks to you through Scripture doesn't mean you can't get it wrong. <laughs> the Bible is true. You might not be. Just because you, if you say the Bible says, what you're saying is the Bible says, and this is what I say the Bible says. So maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong, right? That's why personally every one of us have been given the Word of God. So that you can go back and you can trust the Word of God and you can trust what the Lord has said because you can investigate it for yourself. That's really, really important. 
He talks to us through scriptures. And so the danger is this, when I bring this stuff up, what happens sometimes is religious pride comes up and says, you know, if you guys, I've seen so much damage done through this. You probably didn't see as much damage done as Paul did in, in the Corinthian church. The Part of the reason he wrote to the Corinthian church is because they were screwing it up so bad that he had to write to the Corinthian church and straighten them out, right? So he goes to him, he says, you guys are doing this and this, and, this, and he lists their sin. And, and one thing, to point back to grace, not one single time did he bring the law into, the, into the, to play. He didn't. He just kept reminding him, don't you know you're the temple? And if you're the temple, these things that you are, these garments that you're trying to wear are the wrong garments. You need to cast them off and put on the right ones, right? And so one of the things he spoke to is about the gifts. And he said, here's why you're doing the gifts wrong. One of the things he said was, he said, talked about the, the voice of God in a meeting like this. He said, two are at the most three. So prophetic words, two are at the most three. Why? Why would God say, I mean, I've been in services where the, where the flow of the Word of God, is, is, it goes on and on and on. And we've, I've literally been in four-hour services like this where there's just one prophetic word after the other. And every single one just, oh, yeah, that's totally the Lord. You know what happens eventually, though? We lose track. We lose track of what the Lord said, the theme of the service, and we're confused. And Paul spoke about that, and he talked about the gifts and the ministry of the Holy Spirit should not bring confusion. So you can misuse and, 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 and abuse the, the voice of the now word of God, you can do that. And it's done all the time. And so part of why, why I'm, we're talking about this is because this is an essential to have. But the danger is because you've seen something occur in it that, that turns you off, that you remove yourself entirely. We, Karen and I visited a church in Longview one time, and, I, and a great church. The pastor was amazing. The message was amazing. There were tons of intellectual people from the college, from professors there. So a lot of really smart, educated people, humble, though, and just loving Jesus. And, and I noticed in their, in their documentation, they talked about the prophetic, but there, it never happened in the service. And so we had lunch with the pastor one day, and I said, hey, listen, I see this in your doctrine, right, that you believe it, but I never see it happen, and why not? He goes, well, we've never had good experience with it. So I said, I, I just challenged him. I said, listen, whether you have or whether you haven't, is it biblical? Yes. Then you should be leaning in. You should desire the spiritual gifts. And you should figure out as a pastor, right, how to manage that. Because that's part of your role as an elder. Is to make sure that the voice of God is being heard in your church. That people are being equipped for the work of their ministry. Not yours, theirs. Right? And so if you do that, if you lean into that. And I had people say, I didn't know what to do, so I did nothing. Well, that's just dumb. Don't do that. Go figure it out. Go find out. Get into Scripture. Get on your face. Suck some carpet until you know what God is doing, right? Get some per perspective from people who are doing this well. So don't just stick your head in the sand. That is entirely not helpful, right? So you have to be open-minded. If you're not careful, your religious pride will rise up and go, well, I'm not going to do that. Well, good luck with that because when you turn off the faucets, what happens is you limit God's ability to speak into your life. You do, and it becomes very, very unhelpful as a Christian, as a believer, when you turn off all the avenues of the way God can direct your life. You just, again, why would you do that? I don't understand why people do it, but they do it nonetheless. So be open-minded. Seek, seek Scripture first. We're going to talk about that here in just a second. See what the whole Bible says. Don't just pick like the Scripture in, in 1 Corinthians 13 where I just pull one Scripture out of context and use it to present a narrative because I can't explain what I don't understand. That makes sense? So look, I, I've, I see some stuff all the time that bothers me 
as a believer, especially as a leader. I, I see people do things online, and I see our people sometimes talk about it, and they're like super excited about all these things that are going on online. And I'm like, you do understand that those people are on the internet, right? <laughs> and everybody knows there aren't any lies on the internet. So why does a local church exist? And part of the reason why the local and the translocal church exist is so that you can know the people who are ministering to you. That doesn't mean that people on the internet are wrong. There's lots of people on the internet who are, who are in their own local church and connected translocally and they're powerful and they're wonderful and they're amazing. But don't just get caught up in something because it's out there. It can be abused and misused very, very easily. And the danger is when people are hurt by that, they tend to become, they, they, they tend to just shut the thing off. And we don't want to do that. We want to celebrate what the Lord has given us, especially His voice. So there's this oft-quoted cessationist objection, because this is important if you're, if you're coming out of this or you're trying to lean into this. And they say this, that any prophetic utterance is decidedly, if, you, if you're saying this prophetic utterance is from God, then this is what their expectation is, that it must be infallible and equal in authority with canonical Scripture. And that is not true. When someone prophesies or a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or they share a picture or a, or a scripture or whatever that, that now word is, they're not saying, and if they are saying you need to challenge them on it, they're not saying that this is the Bible. It is not. It is decidedly not the Bible. But that doesn't mean it's not true. And it doesn't mean it's not helpful, and it doesn't mean it's not incredibly beneficial to us. And that's the danger is you, you want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, you want all or nothing. And the Bible says very, very, very clear. But, but let me just kind of finish this thought. There's one cessationist writer, I, I follow a lot of people online, and I, and I read stuff that I don't agree with because I don't want to be in the dark about this stuff, right? But he, retur- he referred to the New Testament, uh, and I've got his name if you want to check out some of the stuff he's written for yourself. But referring to the New Testament gift of prophecy, this is what he said. We must treat such words as the Word of God, which means that we must treat them as Scripture. First of all, why? <laughs> Just because you got a big degree, right, and you're super intelligent and super smart, and you tell me something, I'm not going to buy into the context necessarily. You're saying that this is true, what are you saying that based on, right? So we have to back up sometimes and go, hey, listen, I hear what you're saying. Why are you saying it? I would like to very much know what, and oftentimes what you'll find is someone who's been hurt by charismatic foolishness or immaturity, and I understand that because I've been, I've been that and I've actually done that. I've hurt people because of my own immaturity. None of you guys have ever done that, but I have. So here's this interesting scripture in 1 Corinthians 14, 29 that's so powerful. It says, let two or three prophets speak. So if it's canonical, if, it's, if the word, a prophetic word is, has the same authority as the Bible, then why would the Bible say that other believers need to judge it? The answer is it wouldn't. It is not the same as Scripture. But again, it doesn't mean it's not true. So if we're not careful, like I said, we tend to, to lean so far to one direction where we say, Man, somebody came and shared a word with me. And, you know, and that's the gospel. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it is not the gospel. They are not on the same level at all. So don't treat them as such. But don't also say because someone shared with something with me one time and they got it wrong that somehow God doesn't talk today. That's also foolishness. So don't do that. It's not helpful. So what's, what's the right thing to do? The right thing to do is to understand, to recognize Scripture, let Scripture judge it. And so that's what we say. Let the Bible come first, right? 
So the Bible, we've said this, is the infallible, inerrant, supreme authority for faith and life. If you're a Christian, 90% of the Christians believe that. Some people call themselves Christians that don't believe that. I have some challenges with that. But it is living, this is what the Bible says, it's living and active, and it has the power to transform people's lives, right? We get that. The Bible is the modern, uh, the Bible is the infallible word of God. Modern day prophecy is decidedly not, but it holds much value. The whole idea is that the voice of God outside of Scripture needs to be judged by Scripture. But when you do that, it creates a safety net where, again, much strength. There's a scripture that talks about, you know, the oxen. It says much strength comes from the oxen. So without the oxen, the stall is clean. There's no poop. I've been in charismatic circles for 30-something years. There's sometimes poop in the stall, okay? But that's true even in marriage. That's true in relationship. That's true in finances. That's true in everything. That's why that passage is in the book of Proverbs. It's wisdom. And it's saying without the word of the Lord today, without the modern day prophetic, without the voice of God, without God speaking outside of canonical scripture, then you don't have any poop in the stall, but you also don't have the oxen. And it's helpful to understand that. So what do you do? You learn the difference between the poop and the oxen. I think I could do a whole series on the poop and the oxen. I don't know how well that would go over, but I'm going to maybe think about that. So here's the thing. What are some guardrails for hearing God? First of all, subjective words are subject to the written word of God. When you understand that, you, and the more you learn, this is why it's so imperative that you read your Bible. The Bible, there's, the Bible even speaks to that one passage. Let me just give you some example. Because if you don't grow strong in Scripture, you are prone to error regardless. right? Even if you don't believe in the modern-day prophetic, you are prone to error if you don't grow in Scripture. This is what Psalm 119.11 says. I've hidden your word in my heart. Why? So that I don't sin against you. So I don't miss the mark. God's intention for you is there. But if you don't hide God's word in your heart, you are going to miss his intention for you especially when it comes to hearing the voice of God nowadays. Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. 1 John 2.14, I've written to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I've written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Listen, if you don't hide God's word in your heart, you're prone to error. You're going, people are going to deceive you with the word of God. Remember when Jesus goes into the wilderness, the spirit of God leads him into the wilderness. What did the devil do? Did the devil try to tempt him with anything other than scripture? And the answer is no. He literally used the Bible all three times. He used the word of God at that time, the Old Testament, and Jesus came back and says, that's not what it actually says. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> right? Because he understood the will, he had relationship with, with the Father and he understood the Word of God. And the enemy will try to do the same thing with you. There's, I did a whole series called Facebook Theology where people pull f- passages from Scripture and put them online, right? In Facebook or Instagram or wherever, and it's got a beautiful mountain behind it, so it can't be wrong, right? <laughs> and I'm like, ah, oh, I just want to pull my hair out. Not because the scripture isn't true, but so often the the comments will come and they'll completely throw that scripture out of context. So hide the word of God in your heart so you don't miss God's intention for your life. This is a simple truth. I mentioned this before, before I kind of wrap it up with just three general thoughts. 
This is a simple truth. God speaks with people apart from the Bible, though never in contradiction to it. God still speaks with people apart from the Bible. He, he never speaks in contradiction to it. If you understand that concept and you, and you lean into that, hide God's word in your heart, it's going to keep you from falling into error. Uh, Karen and I were talking about, Karen, my wife is very prophetic, as most of you guys know. I, I get more prophetic when I'm around her, especially if she's ministering that gift. It's amazing how that brings up the watermark. But we, we were talking, there's a, a book um, that came out in the 90s. Some of you guys were familiar with the Vineyard Movement. Um, vineyard Church is still in existence. Back then, they were, they were leaders in the prophetic voice of God, and they were creating space for the prophetic. And there was, one, there was a church called the Kansas City Vineyard. They called, at the time, there was a group of guys who rose up called the Kansas City Prophets. And these guys were modern-day prophets, and it created a lot of controversy. And the words would get bigger, and they, would, they literally were prophesying signs in the heavens, and then in a newspaper, it would show up the next week. It was crazy times in the prophetic, right? And the guy who was the pastor over this big work in the church grew to several thousand people. And, and he said, there, it began to get out of hand. And he said, I remember standing there and he said, remember having this sense of, this, I think some of this is wrong, but I'm, a, I'm so intimidated by the prophetic. He said, I was so intimidated I didn't say anything. He said, I know now that my gift was so valuable then, and because I didn't step out and, and, and trust my own gift, he said, I let these other broken gifts and broken people do tremendous damage to the body of Christ. And he said, and, and I, I regret that. So he wrote a book called Growing in the Prophetic. Thankfully, he didn't throw out the baby with the bathwater. He just said, here's some things to keep in mind. One of the reasons why, he said, they were on, on stage in this massive auditorium, and he said, and one prophet stood up and declared the word of the Lord, and another prophet stood over here and declared a bigger word, and he said, and then he said, the next thing I know for 10 minutes, he said, I was in the middle of dueling prophets. He goes, I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> he said, the immaturity and the brokenness that came out of it. But at the same time, again, when it's in context with other leaders, and the Bible says someone jumps up here and prophesies something, the Bible says let the others judge. And that's important because when we do that, what we get is we get the best of God. So, God still speaks with people apart from the Bible, though never in contradiction to it. So let me just give you three aspects of hearing from God. First of all, all of us try to hear from God from Scripture, right? We get that. There's, there's this concept that a lot of prophetic people lean into, and it's just ways that you can hear from God and just general aspects of it, and it's this. It's through revelation. That means you hear God or you sense God or you feel God or you see God or somehow God communicates to you. He can do it in pictures. He can use scripture to do it. He can do visions, dreams, uh, words, pictures, numbers, uh, a sense. We had a friend that she saw things in color and she didn't understand why and it turned out it was the color of purple and that's very symbolic in scripture about the royalty of God. And so she was hearing God in colors. Did you know you could hear colors? So he's like, in college I heard some colors. <laughs> Right? So, <laughs> so my point is, is however God communicates you, that's a revelation. He's revealing something to you. And it's important that that's not the only step. The second thing that happens is there's an interpretation. I, God communicated, or I think God communicated something to me. Now I have to decide, what does that mean? What he said, how he said it, maybe it was in a picture, maybe it was symbolic, maybe it was a clear word. I, it doesn't matter. But now I have the next step is I have to interpret it. And lastly, I have to apply it. And let me, let me say this, this is super important. Just because you got a revelation doesn't mean you got an interpretation and an application. This is one of the first things we teach when people are beginning to walk in the gift of prophecy 
is that the first part of it is usually pretty clear. I mean, maybe not what comes after. Maybe what God says to you, you don't know what it means, but you're certain God said it. That's wonderful, right? Sometimes you hide that in your heart. Sometimes you present that to the leaders. Sometimes you present that to a person. But here's where the danger comes in. When you begin to share the interpretation, the application, and, and it contains some aspect of error in it, you begin to get people in trouble. So we tell people, when you're sharing a word, don't go beyond what you heard and what you know, right? So, I mean, there, there's so many examples, but let me just give you one. That's, there's a guy named Jack Deere, um, wrote a book called, he called it was called uh, Surprised by the Voice of God. He's written several books, um, Surprised by the Power of God, Surprised by the Spirit of God. Jack Deere got surprised a lot. <laughs> if, if you read his bio, Jack Deere was, was a prominent professor of Old Testament theology at Dallas Theological Seminary. If you know anything about Dallas Theological Seminary, they're not real big on the now word of God. Let me put it that way, okay? They are cessationists, and they'll tell you straight up that's the way it works. He's, he's, several things happened. One of the first things that happened was he began to entertain the idea of the gifts and the power of God and God's voice speaking outside of the Bible but not in contradiction to it. Very smart man. Knew the Bible backwards and forwards, of course. And he began to recognize that some of the things he'd been taught were not biblical. So he began to lean into the gifts. And one day he's sitting in his office. One of, the guys who's, one of his uh, students comes in who happens to be uh, moving towards his Ph.D. He pastors a church in Dallas, a big church in Dallas. He comes and sits down, and he's talking to him. He says, hey, how's it going? And he says, oh, it's fine. Everything's good. You know, I'm getting ready for finals. And he said, while he's talking to a student, above his head, the word pornography appears. Big block letters. <laughs> and he said they were green. I don't know why they were green, but they were green. So he said, so I'm, I'm looking at it. He said, it's just like in a movie. Like when he moves, it moves with him, right? So he's like, oh, so that would be considered a revelation. He saw something, right? It's not in the Bible. The Bible didn't tell him that the guy was involved in pornography, right? He just sees it, and he, and he doesn't even know if the guy was involved in pornography because the word just appeared above his head. So he's sitting there going, I'll fish for it, Right? So he's trying to hedge his bet. So he said, hey, man, are you struggling with anything? Nope. Everything good? Yep. Okay. So he's praying. He says, he said, I had this sense that if I didn't pursue this, if I didn't take a step of faith, he said that what God was challenging me to lean into, I could potentially lose forever. So he said, I prayed. And he said, when I started praying, saying, Lord, do I actually say something about this? And he knew. He said, if I do this and it, goes, and it goes south, like maybe this guy's hiding it or maybe it's not true, but if I say I'm seeing a picture of big block letters over a guy's head, I am not going to keep my job at Dallas Theological Seminary for very long. Right? He knew. His job was online. His reputation was online. But at the same time, the Lord was leading him into hearing the voice of God. And so he said, as I prayed, they started blinking. The letters over his head started blinking. So he said, so I went for it. So I said, hey, listen, um, I have this sense, <laughs> which was with them maybe, I have this sense that you're struggling with pornography. I can't explain it, but I just feel like the Lord is trying to say, hey, if you're struggling with this, he, he wouldn't tell me this unless he wanted to set you free from that. And he said, there's this massive silence. He said it lasted maybe, he said in reality maybe it was three or four seconds, but it felt like 30 minutes. He said my job was on the line. He says I was already starting to write out a resume in my head. What was going to happen when this went south? Not a lot of faith. He said and then instantly the man broke and began to cry. And he said I, I don't know how you know that, but he said I've struggled so much and I've tried so 
so hard to break free from this, and it seems to grab hold of my life, and I don't know what I can do. And he just reiterated. He said, why would God show this to me to judge you? That's not what Jesus came to do. So he would only show this to me to let you know that he's bigger than this. If he can show this to me supernaturally, couldn't he set you free from it? And the guy, the light bulb goes on his head. Brilliant guy, but not that brilliant, apparently, right? I mean, we've all been there. And he realizes that's true. And he said that he prayed with the guy. The guy walked out of his office. He said, I didn't lose my job then. (laughs) He said the guy went away, and he said he graduated, finished his degree. All that stuff happened. He said he came back years later when he he saw him years later, and he said, hey, how's it going? He said, said, I've struggled with that. He said, but it never has, has gotten a hold of me the way it had a hold of me then because I know God's power is there to break it. And I love that. But again, the first thing that happened is a revelation. Now, his interpretation was, the guy was struggling with pornography. I had a friend. Again, these are some anecdotal stories, but it's helpful to kind of process how this works, right? So I had a friend, and uh, we were pastoring together in, in Tyler, Texas. lady comes in the back, and he moved in these kind of gifts. He's, he's one of the mentors that Karen and I had. He was an older guy, and he mentored us. And uh, this lady comes in, and he, as soon as she walks in the door, he hears the word homosexual. So similar, he didn't see the block letters, but he hears the word homosexual. So he goes, so he goes back to and he says, hey, listen. And this is, again, he had a revelation, and he misjudged the next two things, the interpretation and the application. So he goes back and he says to her, hey, listen, I feel like you're struggling with homosexuality, and, and he never got anything else out, at least for a while, because she went off on him. Why would you say that? That's not something I struggle with. So he's thinking at first, well, she's just in denial. You know, the, the power of the Lord is going to break through. Or you got it wrong, <laughs> right? <laughs> so he, he presses and he presses. And after, you know, trying to tell her how much God loves her and work through this whole thing and, you know, and then realizing maybe he got the interpretation wrong, he asks her, is there anyone else in your life that struggles with homosexuality? She goes, yeah, my son. <laughs> he's like, oh. Let's back up then, right? <laughs> so he ends up praying with this lady. And so again, the interpretation for him was completely off. He made an assumption about this lady that God didn't tell him. And that's immaturity. And the good news is you can learn from his mistake and you don't have to do dumb things like that yourself, right? And so we can keep from harming the body as we learn, as we grow, and we mature in how to hear the voice of God, how to be equipped not just to hear the voice of God but to respond. So let me give you another story. Um, this is, uh, th- again, there's so many. Some of them have happened to us. I'm trying to be careful about some people that may be watching online. But the whole idea is this works even in Scripture, right? So if you get a revelation in Scripture, you're reading the Bible, and you see a passage, and you, you say, oh, this is what it means. Maybe it means that, maybe it doesn't. If you read it out of context, you're, you're going to get the revelation right, but the interpretation and how you apply it is going to be completely wrong. So let me just give you an example because this is important. Because it's not just hearing the voice of God through the prophetic and through these other things. It's also how we hear the God, period, even through Scripture. So this is Matthew 6, 14, right? Jesus is talking about forgiving other people. And this is a passage in Matthew 6. Uh, we've taught a whole series on, on Matthew 6, 5 and 6. He says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, I've, I read that scripture, and what I, what I assumed that meant was exactly what it said, right? That if you don't forgive, you don't get forgiven. That is really confusing in light of the gospel. 
right? So when something like that pops up and confusion occurred, I'm asking questions. I go to, I go to, to commentaries. You know, I, look, I ask people that I trust. And unfortunately, a lot of people had come from a very similar background. And so they said things that were not true, right? And so I did not know that I was misinterpreting the Scripture. And I had prayed with people and told them they were struggling with forgiveness. And I would say, you know, if you don't forgive, God can't forgive you. And I, man, you have no idea how much I regret that. Thankfully, God is gracious, and he's helped those people, the people I know of that I said that to, they're fine. But it wasn't because of me, (laughs) I promise you. I I was part of trying to, you know, the enemy using me to destroy them. Some of you guys are going like, no, that's exactly what the Bible says. It is what the Bible says. But it's context that matters. So the context is you find just a few passages back in Matthew 5, 17. This is what Jesus says. Do not, he just come out of the, out of the, uh, um, the blessings, right, the Beatitudes, and he was talking about the kingdom, and it's very prophetic, it's coming, right? And then he says this, he changes subjects in Matthew 5, 17, and he speaks for two people under the law from that moment on, which includes this passage in Matthew 6, and it also includes the Lord's Prayer. So if that don't mess you up and send you back to the Bible, then you ain't paying attention. This is what he says, Matthew 5, 17. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. That's powerful. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle by no means will pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Then you read on into the New Testament. So now a few things happen between the time Jesus says this and the time the New Testament writers write what they write. And so Jesus goes to the cross, right? He pays for everybody. He fulfills the law at the cross, and everything changes. Everything changes because the Bible says now you are no longer under the law. And if you don't know what that means, man, hang around. We'll, we'll help you understand what that means because grace is a really, really big deal. The gospel's powerful. This is Ephesians 4.32. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. You forgive because you've been forgiven. See, after grace, it got flipped. (laughs) People under the law were held by the law. If you don't forgive, you don't get forgiven. That was true. Jesus wasn't lying, but the context was he's speaking to people under the law, and then in in Ephesians, and we're going to go into Colossians, he's now speaking to people who are no longer under the law. That's you and I, by the way. Colossians 3.12 says, Bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. So what is he saying? He's not saying if you don't forgive, you're not going to be forgiven. He's saying because you've been forgiven, you forgive. That's the way it's supposed to work. And we get that. We realize that. Well, most of us do. But if you read that passage and you get the revelation of what Jesus said, but you don't understand the the interpretation and the application of that, even from Scripture, you will find yourself in error, and also you will find yourself in danger of hurting and doing damage to other believers. And if that's true of Scripture, how much more true is that of the subjective word of the Lord? Which is why it needs to occur in a body, When we have people come in and we don't know their voice, and they come in and say, hey, Pastor Dave, I would really like to prophesy to the congregation. And I'm going to say, hey, what's your name again? No. No. You want to present something to our church? God has placed elders to oversee this church. If you want to present what you feel is the word of the Lord, present it to me and the elders in our church. 
And we'll pray about it. We'll talk it through. And if we feel like that's from the Lord, we're, we'll share it with our congregation. Well, and, and I, this literally happened to us in, in, in uh, Atlanta. And somebody came in during a prayer time, and he tried to share. And, and the pastor said, no, you don't get to do that. And he said, you're hindering the word of the, you're hindering the Holy Spirit is what he told him. You know what he said? He said, no, I'm not. I'm hindering you. I have never, I'm just telling you, I have never felt so safe in my whole life. Because that pastor was saying, you don't just get to come in here and say it's the Lord. I'm not intimidated by your gift. And neither should you be. But also don't throw it away. Don't disregard the gifts of God because you have had a bad experience or you don't understand. Get understanding. Get healing from, from where someone hurt you, right? And grow up, put your big boy pants on, right? And learn to hear the voice of God. Because it's not just beneficial to you, it's also beneficial to others. So let me f- finish with a story about my, my uh, pastor in Bible college. Again, applica- sorry, uh, revelation, interpretation, and application. There's way more to say about this, but we're just running out of time. So my pastor's name was David Hood. And, he, and this was in Bible college in the late 80s. And so was, he was way ahead of his time. He was part of the Assemblies of God denomination. And at that time, in the, in the late 80s and early 90s, the apostolic and the prophetic were beginning to kind of rise. And so there were questions, you know, has God restored the five-fold ministry gifts, or is it just the three-fold, five-fold? Anyway, the Assemblies of God put out, nothing wrong with it. I, I, I was part of the Assemblies of God, went to an AG Bible college. I have no problem with denominations most of the time. <laughs> Some challenges, though, because, again, if we're not careful, we'll buy into stuff just because it's traditional, not because Scripture says it. And so Pastor Hood was big into the Scripture and what the Bible said, and that was more important to him than his denomination or any other thing, but he was in that denomination his entire life. So he had no problem. You guys understand where I'm going because that's important. I don't want you to just, Dave says he hates all denominations and everything. No, I don't. So Pastor Hood, he's praying, and he sees in Scripture where um, people speak the voice of God, they're like some of the passages I read before, they're words of knowledge and, and words of wisdom. There's prophecy, there's tongues and interpretation. He's has, he has a traditional service. He's got Sunday school, and then he's got the service, and he opens up. They typically open up with you know a song, and then he comes and introduces. Everybody's got a pattern. We all pick some way to do it, right? We do the same thing here at DCF. We come up and make some announcements. We do some worship, and then the take up an offering, and then the pastor comes and preach, and we pray for people when we go home, right? So some, some way you put the soup together, right? <laughs> but the ingredients are important. And what Pastor Hood saw was, he said, I keep reading this stuff in Scripture, and I'm not seeing it happen in our midst, and I'm wondering why, Lord. He said, I prayed about that for a long, long time. And he said, I finally, I was praying, and I, he said, I, I did this really dumb thing where I quit talking and actually started listening. And he said, and as soon as I did that, I heard the Lord say, David, when do you give me time? <laughs> and he said, first of all, I was super excited I heard the Lord, but he said, wasn't so excited that it came as a rebuke. <laughs> he said, but then I realized that that rebuke was actually my salvation because it answered my question. And he said, Lord, I don't. He said, nothing else. <laughs> no need to say anything else. It's pretty clear. So he went back and he, he revamped the entire service. And he started going in and he would teach on the gifts and the ministry and the power of God and the voice of God in the, in the Sunday school, right? He would teach in that Sunday school. And then he would open up with worship. He'd say, hey guys, we've had the word of God. Now he said, we want to give 
um, the power of God and the person of God space now. So we're going to worship Him. And when we do, our expectation is what we've been talking about is going to begin, ha- begin to happen among us. And he said, from that day forward, he said, I put a sermon in my Bible to preach. He said, I would do Sunday school, which is kind of a sermon. He said, but it was teaching. He said, but I always had a sermon ready to go. He said, for five years, I planned a sermon and put it in my Bible, folded it up, put it in my Bible. And for five years, he said, I would go into that thinking, maybe today I'll preach a sermon. And he never did. Five years went by, and he said, I finally quit putting a sermon in my Bible. Because he said, what I did was I realized that I was, I was actually proclaiming what the Lord was wanting to say and do in the previous word, right, in the teaching. And then he said, I was giving the Spirit of God room to move. He said, and when I did that, he moved like crazy. So let me give you an experience. We, we saw some incredible things there. One of them is a guy, a, a prophet that I know, prophetic guy that I know. Um, <laughs> they had a service. And he, he comes up in the service, and he says, he starts walking around, and he says, he says I, I feel like God's about to do something. And he's just walking back and forth. And I feel like God's about to do something. I feel like God's about to do something. We're like, well, what's he going to do, brother? Right? <laughs> he's like, what are you doing? He's like, I feel like God's going to do something. He stops in front of the pulpit, and he says, I feel like he's going to do it, and he's going to do it right now. And he slams his fist against the pulpit. And the lights went out in the entire city. The whole city. It was a night service. He said, all of a sudden, you hear this weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. <laughs> and he said, when the emergency lights came on in the church, he said, the altars were filled, people repenting. He said, there were some people had crawled underneath the altar. He said, the fear, he said, the fear of the judgment of God had come over people, and they were crying out for mercy. And he said, of course, we preached the gospel to them. And he said, tons and tons of people got saved. He said, we read in the newspaper the next day, he said, that some drunk guy, had driven into the one transponder that connected all of the grid for the entire city, and when he hit it and it blew that transponder, it killed all the power in the entire city. So it was just coincident. <laughs> God, listen, God moves how God moves. He can use natural ways and use completely supernatural ways. Here's my point when you see stuff like that, Another situation, a guy comes in, he, he's got his shirt on, he's there the only time he's ever been to that church, and he never came again, and while the pastor got up to close the service, he says, hey, there's somebody here, and you've got a tattoo on your right shoulder of an American eagle, he said, you're here with a woman, that, and he said, that you've been together with, and you're not married, and he said, and God just wants to kind of challenge you, that you're, you're missing his best. He said, if that's you, maybe come up and talk to me after the service, and so he said, he he closes the service, and the guy walks up, and he opens his shirt up, and he pulls his shirt down and shows him the American Eagle tattoo. He goes, that's me. He said, my wife and I, well, she's not my wife. He said, my girlfriend and I were waiting at the bus stop and thought, well, we'll just go to church, to that church right across the street. So we did. And he said, and now we would like to get married. Would you perform the ceremony? And he said, I would be happy to. You've got to get it officially done, obviously, when you get back to your home state, wherever that is. But I'd love to do this. He called a bunch of people together, and they had a marriage ceremony right in the, at the end of the service. So what, what am I saying? I'm saying that the, the voice of God is powerful. God does speak outside of Scripture. He, he speaks, of course, in Scripture, but we can even get that wrong, right? We recognize that. So it's not about whether you get it wrong or right. Obviously, the more you grow and the better you get at that, the more you learn, the more you walk with brothers and sisters who are doing it well, who are in humility, who, who trust the voice of God, but also uh, allow others to judge so it's not, we're not just living in a vacuum. 
but we create we have the perspective of the body, right? Also translocally, where people come in, they know us, we know them. Paul said this over numerous occasions. He said, I, I you know me in my manner of living. It's not, you're not wondering, you know these things to be true. And when we do that, guys, we can trust the voice of God in our life. Many of us, I know from the stories, I, I remember praying for Alan uh, Mitchell, who's, who just came on board as an elder. He was an elder when we first came. And I remember one of the first things I told him, I said, I don't understand why, Alan, but it just feels like justice is a really important thing in your life. And I said, what do you do for a living? He said, I'm a lawyer. <laughs> coincidences, man. I'm, it's amazing how many coincidences happen when you, <laughs> when you trust the Lord to move in power. So as I close, I just want to remind us, doesn't happen accidentally. When Pastor Hood, my pastor in Bible college, prayed, he said, Lord, why isn't this happening? The Lord told him, when do you give me time, David? Very personal. He said, I knew, he wasn't talking to the church, he was talking to me as the pastor. He said, I was the one in authority who had the ability to make the change. You this morning, in your, especially in your life, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your finances, in whatever, in the fears that keep rising up, with the election and everything that's happening, you have the power to, to release God into your life more fully. You have to give Him time. You have to listen. You can't just pray one-sided prayers and expect Him to never, never talk to you. Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice. Are you listening? Are you listening? Why don't you stand with me? I hope this is helpful. Again, these essentials we're talking about because we believe that every one of these are essential in in the believer's life and that you should, uh, if if I raise questions in this, uh, obviously if you want to talk to me about it, I'd love to grab coffee with you. I'd love to talk about these things. These are things that I've come to conclusions about myself over many years, some of them, um, and challenges. And when I started this whole game, I was very skeptical about Christianity, about the move of God, about the power of God, in some ways I still am <laughs> because I've seen a lot of hurt and a lot of damage. But I've also seen incredible good and powerful breakthrough and transformation in people's lives because we lean into this. So I trust that you will give it some time as, and make it an essential and really kind of lean into it. I'm going to bring Karen up. She's going to actually close out our service. But I love you guys, and again, I hope this has been helpful for you. Thank you so much uh, for watching us this morning and joining with us. We just want to give you an opportunity, number one, if you're watching online and you need prayer this morning, um, it can be for anything. Right now we live in a season of where it's like it's good to actually just lean in and, Lord, what are you doing? What are you saying? And um, we are available as a ministry team to be praying for you and to pray with you. You can contact us at prayer at dothancf.com if you would like that. Someone from our ministry team will contact you. And also this morning, if you'd like to have prayer, we would love to um, pray with you as a body as well. You can stay in your seat or you can come to the front and um, just let us know. We would be glad to pray for you. You guys have a great week, and we look forward to seeing you. Bye.